podcast starts. Hello everyone, if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome, and if you're a returning listener, welcome back, and thanks for sticking with us. This show talks about horror, horror in film, TV, other media, other items we think of as adjacent to horror, and sometimes other things from our lives which we'd like to talk about just because that's who we are. This week, we're going to be talking about the film, TV, and general media franchise that is the wonderful What We Do in the Shadow. Don't sing if you want to live long. They have no use for your song. You're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead and out of this world. We have a number of hosts to vary week to week, but I'm T.D. Velasquez and you can call me Dan. I'm in Greater Manchester and today I have the pleasure of being joined by... Stella in Manchester. And uh, coming back to the podcast after a week away, welcome back, it is... Kirsty Warrow in Shropshire. It's wonderful to have you back. Thank Kirstie. you. Hello. Can I can I uh, make a request, Dan, that you um uh, after you you know kind of introduce the focus of the episode that you cut in the theme tune? Oh right. <laughs> well, uh, the listener now knows. Yes. If, if, if I've worked done on that as a request. So, yeah. So I, I'll just I'll leave you in suspense, but the listener knows. <laughs> it's a great theme tune, though, isn't it? It's, it's so good. Yeah. And. Uh, it's a great theme tune when I watched it on the film and I I, I get a, a very silly thrill from just watching the TV show and going, oh, they've kept the same theme tune, <laughs> you know, um, which, you know, the Fargo show didn't do that. Hope and compassion is gone So that you dream to the world Stay dead, stay dead, stay dead You're dead and out of this world What, what have we got in the <coughs> way of news this week? Um. Well, I've, I've only got two pieces of life news. Uh, one, uh, I've still got a job. Yay! Yay! That's wonderful news. That's Yay! what we like to hear. <laughs> and the second piece of life news, it's my birthday tomorrow. Aww. Aww. Happy <laughs> early birthday. Or happy belated birthday by the time this goes out. Obviously. Yeah, true. It was my birthday yes, the yes. other day. <laughs> uh, yes, everybody send Stella late tweets. Delayed <laughs> one day late tweets. They hope you had a good birthday. I did. I'm sure I will. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's marvellous. Um, oh, I've got a little bit of, of horror news. Um, my last bit of news, I think, on the show was slightly sad because um, it was about somebody who died. And this one is also the same. Uh, the actor Ben Cross died overnight. Yeah. Oh. Um, and he, he's not a, 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 an actor who's associated mainly with horror, but he does fall into that category of uh, British actors who appeared in the... the a horror film in the period roughly from the through the 80s and through the 90s when we made very very few horror films and he was in paper house which was bernard rose's first film and it's a wonderful i mean it's you could argue it's not a a, a horror film but it's a very scary children's movie about mm. um the dreamscape uh of this young girl and he plays her father in it and she um Basically, she tries to draw him, and her drawings come to life in her dreams. And because she's not an amazing artist, she makes him look scary. And he appears in her dreamscapes as a kind of terrifying, stalking figure then. 
Um, it's kind of a wonderful movie. Uh, I haven't seen it for a long time. It has a lovely musical score on it by uh, Stanley Myers and Hans Zimmer. It's one of Hans Zimmer's first movie scores. Um, and uh, yeah, I can't really think of another connection to, to, <laughs> to horror that Ben Cross has, but I did just want to, to mention that obviously he's mainly known for things like Chariots of Fire. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, I feel like, well, what was the thing where he played Prince Charles? I can't remember. He's got, he's got that kind of regal, yeah, regal yeah. bearing that you yeah. will always associate um, yeah. those kind of roles, and, and he's fantastic. So I just wanted to give a shout out to him. Um, that and it, yeah, he died very suddenly. Apparently, he, he he'd been somewhat ill for a little while, but nobody really expected him to to pass. So mm. um, so that's very sad. But uh, we remember him uh, well, and he leaves behind a, a really nice body of work. So thanks, Ben. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> um, Kirsty, have you got any news apart from the fact that you've had a wonderful wow. holiday? Wow, I did. I did not see the Loch Ness monster, although my daughter came to. Oh, <laughs> have set it to you. oh right. <laughs> although I rather suspect she's making it up. Um, mm. No. So uh, what's interesting is on Twitter this morning, I was alerted to a possibility because Mark Mode um, put out a tweet. I mean, I wonder if either of you know what Mark Mode's favourite movie is. Uh, is it the Wicker I Man? I do. <laughs> well, you're in the right year. Yeah. Do you uh, not know Stella, really? No, sorry. Oh. <laughs> um, when, I'll give you a clue. When it was re-released to British cinemas in 1998, Kermode's name was all over the posters. Oh, The Exorcist. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. So <laughs> he, he put out this tweet this morning, which I thought, I read it, and I thought, oh, Stella will approve of this tweet. So this is what Mark Kermode <laughs> said uh, this morning on Twitter. Had lots of worried slash outraged tweets alerting me to rumours of an Exorcist remake slash reboot. Honestly, <coughs> I doubt it will happen. But but if it does, so what? Nothing can touch or tarnish the original. There have been so many uh, imitators. What harm can another one will do? All will be well. <laughs> so. You see? <laughs> Good man. So, um, <laughs> so I went looking uh, and I found an article on Slash Film. Um, which cites uh, the end of a recent deadline article um, as the sort of source for um, for this rumour um, that they've sort of said that the slate of films... Hold on. Um, yeah, current Morgan Creek project projects include Stay Tuned at AMC with a planned theatrical reboot of The Exorcist in the works for 2021. Right. Well, so, bring it, I say. Yeah. Well, yeah, although in can't do any harm. <laughs> although in <laughs> 2015 they did tweet uh, this. For the record, we will never attempt to Ooh. remake The Exorcist. So, yeah, but that's yeah, bollocks, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> no, absolutely. And also, um, the article points out that the Morgan Creek have been, re you know, kind of bought out, rebranded in the meantime. Right. Um, so I, I, yeah. So details seem to be a little bit vague on that one, but obviously, uh, you know, kind of it's such a seminal horror work that I thought it worth mentioning. Well, I think yeah, I think they probably could do it because they did the t the serialization. Yeah. TV was that produced by Morgan Creek? Do you know, Stella? Um, I think it, I'm not sure about that, but it had some other connections to the film. I'm not sure okay. what they are. I can check that out, but that was well received. And it was quite good actually, and that was supposed to be a direct sequel to the to the first film. 
Oh, was it? Yeah. I assumed it was a remake of the book, the story of the first film. No, it's it's set afterwards. So, oh. um, what's she called? Reagan. She's mm. um, well, this might be a spoiler. Oh, bugger it. Um, she <laughs> for the series or the film? Uh, I think for the for the film are okay. Uh, for the series, basically, okay. she's she's in it, right? Okay. As that okay. character, and okay. an older version of yeah. So Linda yeah. Blair's okay. in that as Reagan. Yeah, I think it's Linda Blair oh, okay. as well. Oh, really? I mean, don't don't quote me on that, but don't, certainly okay, the character Reagan is in it. Look, look now, because I need to know that <laughs> answer in my life. And our listeners will be screaming if they do know. Yeah, yeah. Do sorry. No, um, <laughs> but it's good. You know, know, it was, it was well a continuation. I thought it was a, a straight remake. I remember thinking that they were probably going to do that when I read the book of The Exorcist. Mm in the 90s and i also read legion the the sequel which was later filmed as the exorcist 3 yeah um okay. i just thought you know they could make a big mini series out of this i mean for a, for a movie adaptation of a, of a book the film does get quite a lot of the book in but you know you could still spin it out for longer and, and do so yeah. and there's been a stage play version hasn't there yeah just there. Um, it, oh, doesn't, it just looks like she was not in, in the in it's the not TV linda blair it's just the character yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Oh, that would have been yeah. nice, well, to be fair. It? But you know, she was a little kid. Yes. You can get anyone to say that. Oh, no, I was true, that little true. kid that's years true. ago. Yeah, it's like true. I, I loved. Do you know the detail that um, in uh, Doctor Sleep last year, obviously Ewan McGregor, McGregor plays the grown-up version of Danny Lloyd. Yeah. Yeah. And because they're obviously aware that look, Danny Lloyd's probably not acted since The Shining. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know. Let's get somebody but, who can. But they did want to kind of uh, show respect to Danny Lloyd's legacy, so he is in the film, yeah. playing right. a different character, playing a minor character. Okay. So um, still not yeah. seen that. So I've got another thing to say, but it's not news. It's I just wanted to sort of squee a little bit, um, and to not include it as part of the recommendations at the end. So um, the first episode of Lovecraft Country. Has gone oh, out yeah. this oh, week. Yeah. I don't know if either of you seen it. No, no. it's not on any of the things. That yeah, I it's pay well. For. I think it'll probably be making its way to now TV because it's Sky mm. Atlantic. And yeah. So um, yeah. So one of the lovely things was it was a you know I think it's Monday. It's a Monday night airing. Um, and actually, I think we were talking about weren't we about whether or not the the HBO are going to were doing horror. Stella, mm. remember when we talked yeah. about this a couple of weeks ago? Um, and um, I'd forgotten about it. Did you see The Outsider? No. No, so The Outsider, I think, was HBO as well. It was the adaptation yeah. of Stephen King. Yeah. Jason Bateman. Um, oh. And, um, oh, what's his name? The guy who was in uh, Rogue One. And, yeah, I've forgotten his name now. I feel really bad. Australian uh, narrow down. Uh, he he was, uh, played the bad guy in Rogue One. Um, bad guy, uh, Ben Mendelsohn. That's him. That's him, and he's brilliant in it. Um, Is he yeah. um, emo Vader? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> Sorry, no, he's not oh. emo Vader. So that's that's the other. Yeah, this the other Rogue bad One guy. sort of is before. No, and ben then... Mendelsohn's a. He, he's also he's the not bad guy in Captain Marvel. Yes. The guy who you think he's. Oh a, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Good. but he's great, yeah. and he's, gotcha. he's really yeah. great in um, uh, the Outsider. Um, which I think was also HBO. Anyway, Lovecraft Country, um, really impressive first episode. Um, uh, very, without spoiling it too much, um, if you're familiar with Lovecraft at all, it's very Lovecraftian. Um, it does <laughs> okay. this weird thing of, uh, it's not an adaptation of the works, but it's set in a universe 
where Lovecraft is an author and people right. believe in some of the things that he wrote about, if that makes sense. Right. So okay. the we talked about before about it has does this thing about kind of um, you know, placing emphasis on um uh African American characters in, you know, kind of um in yeah, Jim Crow era, you know, US um uh and you know again if you know anything about Lovecraft that that his kind of you know his racial his politics, racial politics were really great. problematic yeah. Uh, yeah. and the, the what's lovely is that the the TV show addresses that immediately um yeah. and ha- uses the kind of first episode to have a what I thought was a kind of quite a a smart kind of discussion about that separation of work you know works from the author um yeah uh yeah so if you haven't seen it and you get the opportunity i would strongly recommend it um both sven and i kind of got to the end of the end of the first episode and just like because they're just releasing it weekly rather than the whole season at once is we were both simultaneously annoyed that there wasn't more (laughs) immediately but also kind of grateful because you know you get to digest it a little bit more yeah so um yes we're very excited for the next episode so cool yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So, um, just a little tidbit of news that just crossed my brain. I remember seeing it somewhere. Uh, they, so I think it's been confirmed now that Courtney Cox is going to be in the new Scream film. Yeah, I've seen that too. Um, <laughs> yeah, good. I'm glad I didn't imagine that. So I think that's the whole gang back together, isn't it? With a better haircuts, we can hope. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I think I, I, think I found, found out that she was in that because there was an article about her haircuts. <laughs> yeah. That's what oh, I right. saw. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, terrible haircut in one of the films. Yeah. I can't remember which one, but yeah, it was. It's the third one. It's oh. Scream <laughs> Three. The 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 well, the bangs. Shorts. I suppose yeah. it's American. Yeah, it's Short like range. yeah. No. Looks like wow. she did it whilst drunk. <laughs> wow, the year two thousand. Yeah. Gosh. Ah well, oh that's great news. Um, uh, Random thought. I also got round to watching Knives Out, which was one of your recommendations a few weeks ago, Kirsty, and um, that's great. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's not at all horror adjacent. It's it's a lovely little murder mystery. It's a murder mystery, yeah. but you know, it's not particularly violent or anything. Mm-hmm. You can watch it with with your grandma or whatever. <laughs> um, it's for fun for all the family, but it does have Jamie Lee Curtis in a, in a, a great role, and also. Christopher Plummer yeah. has a fair amount of horror credentials. Yeah. Um, you know, he was Van Helsing. Yeah, well, yeah in yeah. a terrible film, but, but, you know, but he was Van Helsing. Yeah. Um, and we have Tony um, Collette as well. And Tony Collette yeah, yeah. from Hereditary, mm-hmm. who's also great. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's marvellous fun. And I was, um, you know, I, I did find it that it effectively spun my expectations. Yes. It's a really nice take on the murder mystery, yeah. the kind of traditional... I quite enjoyed uh, old-fashioned murder mystery. I could say I quite enjoyed the way that, that, that this is a film that is the second film to bring uh, Daniel Craig and Christopher Plummer together, where Daniel Craig is uh, an outside investigator uh, to the murder of you know uh, a member of a prominent and very rich family by the um, patriarch of the family, played by Christopher Plummer. Oh, okay. Yeah. What was the other film? Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, David Fincher's oh, version. Oh, of course. Yeah. They're very oh. different films, though, obviously. Very different <laughs> films. <laughs> um, wow. So, uh, yeah, on, on that, um, n- well, 
on the on the not so horrific note of of talking about knives out and and the more horrific note of dragon tattoo um let's segue into our discussion for this week and if you haven't heard the theme tune already in this episode <laughs> then i'll certainly put something in now <laughs> Ta-da! it's been like this the whole time deacon on dishes and it still hasn't moved in five years you're a cool guy but you're not pulling your weight in the flat oh i'm glad to hear that i'm cool no that's not the point though yeah you're missing no i know the point. Not a i know flat meeting about how cool you are when you get three vampires in a flat, obviously there's going to be a lot of tension. Viago was an 18th century dandy. Look, a ghost cap. Vladislav is a bit of a pervert. This is my torture chamber. Deacon's like the young bad boy of the group. I'm supposed to pay rent, but I don't. The trouble with being a vampire is you have to be invited in. The bar, please. Will you invite us in? We need some fresh blood. Hi, my name is Nick. I've been a vampire for two months. <laughs> my friend Richie's a bouncer. He'll invite us in. Gentlemen, you are most welcome. <laughs> Nick is so much fun. I'm a vampire. Vampire! Vampire! Nick. <sighs> Why don't you use the front door? You want to draw attention to this house, hmm? You've got a whole documentary crew following you around. You let a vampire hunter into our I don't house. Wait a minute, I just gave my email. I'm dead. I'm gonna kill you! I'm already dead! When you're a vampire, you become very sexy. My first thought is to say thank you very much to both of you, because if you'd not uh, enthusiastically gone on about uh, <laughs> what we do in the shadows, on this show several weeks ago i probably wouldn't have watched it um but now i have and within moments of starting watching it i just imbibed the whole thing so for any listeners who've not watched any version of it yet or um or, or don't know what it is so what we do in the shadows um broke through as uh, it's a new zealand film in 2014 that's a spoof documentary docudrama supposedly about the lives of three vampire flatmates um and it just kind of follows them through the tribulations of their lives that the the, 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 the the everyday problems of just being a vampire in the modern <laughs> yeah. world and it's it's very charmingly done um and having watched the film I, I you know the film is written directed by and stars jermaine clement and tanka watisi um and i i just found it worked so well and I did watch the TV show with a certain amount of trepidation because I just thought, you know, this will be another time. The TV show um, is created by Jermaine Clement and it's the same idea, but it's a different cast of vampires mm. set in a different place. It's in New York. Um, but the basic format is the same. Um, and I, I was worried that would this just be kind of pale imitation, even though the actors playing the vampires in it, uh, Kevin Novak... Matt Berry, Natasha Demetrio, um, uh, I didn't. I, the fourth actor, um, Mark Proch, I didn't. I didn't know his work beforehand, but certainly those three I was already a fan of. But I was a bit worried. But um, th- those fears soon kind <laughs> of uh, disappeared, and then I found that I, in a blink of an eye, had watched a season and a half of it um, in a desperate attempt to stave off ending the show i went back and found the 2005 short film which 
the 2014 film was based upon um, and you can find it on YouTube uh, which is also written and directed by and starring the same cast as the, as the movie. Can I, can um, I just in, interrupt? Because the, the, the original short film is called uh, What We Do in the Shadow, uh, Interviews with Some Vampires. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yes, it's fantastic. Um, and, um, you know, obviously, uh, that's it's not anywhere near as polished as, as the later productions, but you can kind of see... Um, the roots in there, and it was especially nice because you, I mean, the, the characters have some of the characters have different names, behave differently, mm. even though they're played by the same actors. Um, but it, it's interesting to see. Um, but then I, I went back and I finished off watching the whole series, and um, now in somewhat despair that you know, yeah. there might be another series for some time. Um, it has been confirmed though, there is going to be a series three, so it has they have said yes, but they're just. It's yeah. been slowed down on the process, like mm-hmm. everything else at the moment. But it is mm-hmm. it is coming, and it is um, <laughs> nominated, isn't it, for the Emmy? In uh, yeah, they've uh, they've got loads of nominations. Yeah. I had a look at the list for the costumes and for special effects yeah. and writing, and then outstanding comedy series. Yeah. It was like whoa. I think the yeah. feeling well, we, is that it's not likely necessarily to win outstanding outstanding comedy mm. because of the some of the other nominees in that category. But you know, it says a lot about the way in which it has sort of been received. Um, mm more broadly that it's been nominated at all yeah recently we've had a very powerful and ancient vampire move into the house and it's made things a little challenging the baron has charged us with the task of taking power over the new world he expected us to have conquered the new world i don't remember him ever mentioning it i just remembered the last time he and the baron were making love he said something to me if you ever get to the new world, my dear, take over the land and subjugate the entire population, otherwise I'll have your head. But I couldn't pay attention because he was doing that thing where he pays a lot of attention to your area. The thing is, he's got this irritating habit of giving you orders just at the moment of climax. So you're both there in the moment, and then he barks an order, and you're, her. what? Uh, what? Nothing. I beg your pardon? And he never repeats what he said. He expects you to have listened during the climax. So I guess we're conquering the new world now. So let's have a talk about uh, why we think it's so wonderful, because I think it's fairly clear that all three of us think it's absolutely wonderful. Um, Kirsty, do you want to go first? Yes, I do. What's the first uh, thing on your mind? <laughs> so, um, well, I think what I'd like to start off is that with is that this this. Film and this, indeed, the franchise is always going to be. I feel, I feel like my cup of tea um, because I love vampires of all types. Um, I <laughs> honestly do not give a crap if they are scary as hell, if they are, uh, you know, kind of black and white, or even if they're sparkly. I don't care. I don't ah. care. Any, any, <laughs> any ilk of vampire. Um, so, and certainly, kind of my. Um, I think that's part probably because my route into liking horror sort of comes from kind of popular gothic li- literature when I was a teenager reading Dracula and then later um, the Vampire Chronicles by Anne Rice yeah. um, uh, and others so you know Southern Vampires etc all of that yeah. stuff definitely uh, and <laughs> Twilight I don't care um, so <laughs> um, 
So, you know, kind of, I'm really familiar with vampire archetypes. And one of the things that I loved about this film immediately was just that it was really, the films particularly, and then I think that the TV develops, the TV show develops that, is just its awareness of its place in this kind of cinematic and cultural pantheon of different types of vampires. Um, and if you're familiar with those things, then it's just a lot more fun and a lot more funny. So Yeah, it's yeah. very literate yes. when it comes to... Yeah. It's portrayal of vampirism. Yeah. I mean, I think one of my favourite things in both the film and the show um, is they play with the, the kind of mythical idea that vampires can't enter a building unless they're invited. Yes. So or even nightclubs. This boils down to, yeah, basically they can't go to the pub. Yeah. Except in the film, and they, ha- they don't do this in the series, which I think is kind of a shame, but in the film there is... Um, there's one bar that all the vampires go to where where the the the, the you know the doormen know that the clientele are vampires so they know to invite them yeah. in all the time and it's a really sad little bar and they're all just kind of sitting in these little booths i mean the, the, there are sequences in the tv show where they go to vampire nightclubs and things but they always look a little bit more they have a a, a grandeur to them or yeah, a kind a bit of more trendy yeah. <laughs> Goth <laughs> whereas the, the one in New Zealand was just so sad. Um, that like proper old man pub, but with yeah. miserable vampires. Yeah. I it. thought that was fantastic. And there's also there's bits like in the TV series things. One of my favourite moments is when um, uh, the character of Nadja is it, in a way that is clearly a play on uh, something that's come up in numerous vampire texts from like. Um, I think it might have been introduced in there's a, a 1970s version of Dracula with Jack Palance where he's looking for the reincarnation of his lost love and that was later picked up and incorporated into Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, I wonder if it comes from th- th- that some vampire production actually nicked that because it's actually a plot element of The Mummy, the original kind of 1930s mm. universal mummy. But anyway, so it's quite common in, in Dracula texts. So Nadja has this um, this lover who keeps being reincarnated yeah. and in this version, in the modern day, he's, co- he's a bloke called Jeff who works in a multi-storey <laughs> car park and she goes to see him one night and she just can't get in. She can't get into an, an open car park <laughs> without being invited. So there's just this sequence where she's kind of hovering because they do the hovering of vampires and the fact that they can easily fly and stuff, they do that really well, just the casualness yeah. of them suddenly mm. hovering a bit or flying somewhere. And she's basically hovering and keeps trying to go into this car park and <laughs> bouncing off like an invisible barrier. And it's so hilariously pathetic. It's got proper belly laughs all the way yeah, through yeah, yeah. hasn't it yeah. i think um so i found it found the film because i had a couple of friends of mine uh friend sandy and uh our mate we, we've nicknamed viking because he looks like a viking he's actually called andy um they were <laughs> like have you seen what we're doing in the shadows have you seen what we're doing and they went on and on at me for years and i kept going no i've not seen it i've not seen it um and eventually he gave it to me on a on a flash drive is that here watch this is like right fine watch this and i didn't watch it for ages it sat on the shelf for ages and i eventually watched it and me and owen watched it and um we were both just howling laughing we thought it was great and same with the series obviously love the series but i'm sure i've said on here before that my husband doesn't like horror mm. but he loves what we do in the shadows completely gets it gets enough of the references i think he's seen enough vampire yeah. films to to understand it and i think it's 
you don't necessarily need to be a horror fan to watch it and i think they've they've trodden that board quite well and i guess also there's lots of the vampire lore that people just know because it's in popular culture you know you don't you don't need to be a horror fan to know about sunlight and garlic and coffins and and stuff and then they just there's riff on all of that so much it's just it's just glorious and yeah belly laughs every episode I mean, in a way, it's um, it's a strange thing that vampires are, you know, horror monsters, but they're also effective children's characters. You know, there's yep. the Count from yeah. um, Sesame Street. Duckula. And, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all those things rely on you knowing that vampires drink blood and mm. you know, do horrific things. Yeah, Duckula is a vegetarian, but <laughs> in the, the function of the series, that's what makes him unusual. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, there are proper scary vampires yeah. in that world. Um, no. can I, yeah, can I it just... just it handles all that stuff mm. wonderfully. Kirsty. I just want to just kind of walk through just the first scene of the movie because I just think that so effectively sort of sets up kind of what the film is and its tone. Um, so if you remember, the, the, the movie opens with uh, the camera crew going into Viago, oh, sorry, Viago, which is the Taika Waititi character, who is the, yeah. he's the interview the vampire sort of sensitive, you know, kind of, uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah, Dan, Georgian he's so dandy. Nice he's sweet. so lovely. Yeah, so it's him yeah. kind of waking up and he, he comes up out of his coffin, you know, and that, um, uh, yeah, kind of Nosferatu, raising on a board out of his coffin but it gets stuck halfway (laughs) so that's a kind of moment of not being quite as slick and as sexier as you know he's smiling awkwardly when he does that and then there's just the checking the checking that it's actually dark outside um it's his job to sort of go around and wake up the other occupants of the house which at that point are um we, we see him go to wake up Peter, who is the, again, the kind of Nosferatu, the, Count Orlock, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. silent, Count, yeah. which is beautiful, silent, mm-hmm. bald, bat-like um, <laughs> uh, character who we understand is the oldest vampire, which, of course, fits because cinematically, mm. culturally, he's yeah. the oldest. Um, and then we go to, uh, I'm not sure if this is getting the order right, but then it's um, uh, uh, Vladislav, Vladislav the poker. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> he he's Jermaine Clement. Yes, d- doing his best, Gary Oldman yes. in Bram Stoker. Yeah. And, and then again, there's a real clear reference, impression. isn't there, to Bram Stoker's Dracula as Fiago opens the door and we sort of see on the it looks like the far wall, the kind of projected yeah. um, kind of vampire um, brides of Dracula orgy. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And then um, I'm not sure if he wakes up Deacon, but we meet Deacon, and Deacon is the the kind of lost boys. You know, kind of eighties yeah. leather vampire, but who thinks right, he, yeah. he thinks he's a really bad boy, um, but isn't. <laughs> um, and then one of the things that this this film led me to is just sort of a, a, an exploration of Taika Waititi in particular as a director, his wider body of work. And one of the things that he does in his films is he always he likes to have these these characters who always think they're really cool. Mm-hmm. But actually, right. aren't that that's kind of one of the main main sources of comedy in in his you know in his worlds. Um, so Deacon in particular, but I think all of the vampires you know suffer from this that they are they think they're really really cool. <laughs> they are <laughs> they're they're most dangerous, not. yeah, but they absolutely <laughs> are not. Um, and it's the juxtaposition isn't it between the one of the early scenes is them having a house meeting because um, Deacon hasn't been doing doing the washing up. 
Yeah, it's the house chores yes. sort of cycle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and um, <laughs> you know, Dickens' argument is that he, you know he's kind of too too dangerous and too you know too too much of a vampire to do the washing up. Um, which is just <laughs> wonderful. So that whole kind of introduction really sort of spells out that that it's really kind of it's a clearly really postmodern film in that it's playing with those conventions and those types mm. of characters and putting them in these ridiculous situations. Um, and then of course, but it's beautifully yeah. sensitively done as oh, well. Oh yeah, yeah. The, really you know, lo- I mean, the fact they start off with the Taika Waititi character Viago, and yeah, he's um, clumsy and uh, a doofus, but he really cares about the other vampires in the house. You mm. know, he's going around and gently waking them all up. Yes, even <laughs> Peter. Yeah. you know, and. Um, <laughs> He's the one who instigates the kind of house meeting, isn't he? And tries yes. to very gently kind of say, you know, guys, we're, we're not pulling our weight here. Everybody's got chores to perform. Um, and uh, I'm so charmed by him instantly. Um, mm. And as the film progresses, there's the, his character goes on a kind of love story arc. There's a tragic dimension to him yeah. as well. Um, and I just found it so moving because it's so sensitive. Sorry, Kirsty, I feel like I cut you no, off. No, no, I was just, just going to go, just just move on to the kind of the, the 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 kind of fourth character, fourth character, fifth character who gets introduced is Nick, who gets turned into Nick, a vampire. Yeah. Nick, Nick the vampire, um, yeah. <laughs> who you know kind of runs like you know is the, the the again. So it's the trope of the baby vampire and the you know the kind of bloodlust and all of that kind of stuff yeah. and learning the, what the rules are um, and the way in which they have to kind of police him and um is that that nick nick's frame of reference is um because he's he's a you know contemporary vampire is his frame of reference is twilight so (laughs) it's like yeah i'm twilight i'm twilight and he's you know told not to tell people that he's a vampire but he goes around you know and like going (laughs) yeah do you see that dude off twilight that's me (laughs) 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 which is yeah this is so funny um yeah yeah when i it's I, I was quite surprised, pleasantly so, when I watched the short film, which was made several years before the the proper film. But all, nearly all of those actors are the same. Um, and in fact, there's um, a great line about Nick that I don't think makes it into the main movie, when um, the character who is Vladislav in the film, I can't remember, he's called something different in the short yeah. film, but it's still Jermaine Clement. And he talks about how... Um, you know, vampires generally look much older than they actually are because they're immortal. And he goes, take Nick, for instance. He only looks 25, but uh, he's uh, 26. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Oh, so good. Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. Oh, yes, it's absolutely. So and then, of course, the film also falls in this little moment with the, with the werewolves. Yes. Uh, we're, we're werewolves, <laughs> not swearwolves. Um, so the kind of head werewolf is played by Reese Darby who is again another so there's a whole kind of collection of you know kind of comedians creative types he's a Taika Waititi kind of rep company yeah yeah he is Um, so yeah he gets this kind of little brilliant cameo as the the pack leader um, of of the polite werewolves (laughs) So yeah, and it's nice to see again how the, the the obviously they don't bring him back in the TV show, but the same kind of idea kind of presents itself again in the TV show. Yeah, the, they're a bit. Yeah, well, the werewolves in the show. Has werewolves. <laughs> and the werewolves Go in the on, TV so. show? They're a bit. They're a bit useless, aren't they? They're just yeah. really dumb. Yeah. And don't they? Mm. 
get yeah, them yeah. away by throwing them a, a rubber bone yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to sort of diffuse the situation yeah, yeah. so they don't end up fighting just yeah, like they've so. got a squeaky toy yeah god <laughs> oh, yeah dear. So, oh it's just all so good yeah. i mean because you've talked about the uh, the start of the film that occurs mm. here, i think this is a good point for me to mention that um one of the reasons I had trepidation going into it, or, or, well, and also I think a reason why um, I had never watched even the film when it, you know, because obviously it's been around some years, and I do kind of like the idea of it, but the whole kind of uh, like a vampire flat chest felt to me like it had sort of been done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, there was that TV show which I used to very much enjoy called Being Human. Mm-hmm. Which was a vampire, a werewolf, and ghost. Mm-hmm. Share a flat. How share was in, it? In uh, uh, Bristol. Just <laughs> um, uh, Bristol yeah. that was Cardiff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or oh, was it? Was it well, filmed in Cardiff? I think it probably was. Yeah. Yes, it's BBC yeah. BBC yeah, Wales, BBC isn't it? Wales. Yeah. yeah. So, oh yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Um, but anyway, but because of that opening of the film. Um, yeah, you know, it instantly sets up that this is a very different take on that kind of idea, yeah. um, and it, it has a, a real tone and a sensitivity to it that's that's involving in a very different way. But that opening then did lead me into trepidation going into the series, because uh, basically they do it again at the start of the first yeah. episode, don't they? Yeah. Uh, but with a different character, which is the character played by um, Kevin Novak. Um, yeah. I can't remember his name. Nandor. 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 Is it Nandor the Um, Relentless? The Relentless, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, brilliant. Um, And it just, it seems a little bit second-hand and it's like... Yeah, "Mm." yeah, yeah. uh, But basically, the TV show only takes an episode and a half to get brilliant. It kind of gets all that second-hand stuff out of the way quite Mm. quickly. And there is a shining thing in the first episode... um, which just made me want to stick with it, even though I, I was not really sure, which is that the three vampire characters uh, played by Novak and um, Natasha Dimitriou and Matt Berry all seem like versions of either the characters from the film or characters that they, as actors, have previously played, yeah. so they didn't feel amazingly fresh to me. <clears throat> but then somebody says... But where is Colin Robinson? And <laughs> my ears pricked up. And it, in walks this character played by an actor called Mark Proch, who's a very ordinary-looking, male pattern baldness, <laughs> jumper-wearing guy who lives in the house with them, and he holds down a job in an office um, and, and can walk around in the daylight and things like this. But it turns out he's an energy vampire, which basically means that he doesn't have any of the generic uh, mythical traits that the other vampires have, but he still drains the life force of other people to survive. It's just that he does it by basically boring them. (laughs) We all know those people, don't we? We all know them. We all know one, at least one. It's a very, very recognisable character archetype. I like um, when he's got a really good when he's hit a really good seam of boredom and his eyes glow. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> that's his only like weird thing. So like, there's a bit where he's what's he doing? He's he's putting a pencil in an electric pencil sharpener <laughs> on and off in the office, and everyone around him is getting more and more like pissed off with him, and he's just and his eyes are just glowing. It's so funny. <laughs> he has this wonderfully 
innocent but also slightly lascivious grin that comes on his yeah, face yeah. as well at those <laughs> points. And that was just just that image became my favourite yeah. kind of happy thought for a little while. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, he's so fantastic. And he was the one thing where I thought, whoa, he does not in any way come from the movie. And mm-hmm. He's really yeah. good. I understand the actor is from either Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. Um, I think it's Breaking so, Bad. So, Don't you know, know. he already yeah. has his fans. I haven't seen those shows. But um, he's just wonderful. And the writing of it and the way his character plays up against the other vampires... Is, is so beautifully done and he obviously I think he helps those characters because he's giving them something to react to that's different to what was in the movie yeah. mm. I think as well he, sorry mm. go on well I was just going to say you know he helps to, he shows sides to those characters that you haven't seen mm. from Viago mm-hmm. and the others yeah. in the film so he helps them to be stronger characters as well what are you going to say Kirsten? yeah no I was just I was thinking about the just the way in which that you know so uh, Colin Robinson is is in some ways the sort of surrogate for Peter in the TV show, yeah. in that he yeah. is the bald headed guy who lives in the basement. Well, yeah. is, you know, um, and and then it was just thinking about the, the the kind of other similarity. Of course, the other characters talk about is, uh, is Guillermo um, yes. in the TV series, who is Nando's familiar, um, and his kind of uh, his partner in the original film is Jackie. Yeah, his counterpart. Yeah, his yeah. counterpart in the film is Jackie, who is you know it's kind of Viago's you know, Viago, Yeah, um, but she's a you know kind of middle aged housewife, and they're both kind of doing the familiar thing with the promise of becoming a vampire. Mm-hmm. But of course with yeah. the film is that we've only got, we've got, it's an ensemble cast anyway. So we don't really have a chance to sort of follow anybody's arc too much because it's, yeah. you know, it's about comedy, isn't it? Whereas the show sets up Guillermo from the first episode as being yeah. somebody who's doing this because he wants to become a vampire. And we get the idea that Nandor is not, you know, he's not really thinking about that relationship in those terms. Um, and so out of all of the characters in the television show, Guillermo is set up for the one who has the most potential for character development, character arc, because he has a mm. clear goal, whereas the vampires are just vampires and they, yeah. you know, yeah. need to exist and, and not be discovered. They, they just bumble yeah, yeah, through yeah, 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 their exactly. afterlife, don't whereas they? Whereas Guillermo... <laughs> the, way his, yeah. the way his character develops is wonderfully surprising yes. as well. Yeah, absolutely. And oh, so in, in season two, the that. tension... <laughs> yeah, without spoilers, yeah. the tension that his of his journey is really really interesting and i think that if anything he is the emotional heart of the show isn't he because it's yeah you know where you get invested in him and you care that he gets what he wants and that you, yeah. you know don't want to see him suffer yeah. but you know yeah they managed to you... sort of they pivot it around quite well yeah. so that it stops being as much about the the three or well, the four vampires mm. And what they're doing in their vamp- vampire-ness yeah, yeah. and more about, well, what's going to go on with Guillermo? Because how is this going to... Yeah. How is this relationship going to work? Yeah. I mean, I would argue that Guillermo's not quite... He's, you know, he's not played for laughs in the same way. that Like, the vampires are mm. funny and they're, yeah. they're doing vampire well, stuff is funny. Um, Guillermo's more like a relatable yeah. normal person, yeah, yeah. isn't mm. he? I mean, he's literally a human. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you're going to relate to anybody, relate to him. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I think that that's a really smart decision to kind of anchor the the the, art, the narrative of the television show in a mm. relatable character who has a goal and the capacity to change and barriers to overcome and all that stuff. So I mean, I think that a key difference between him and Jackie in the film is that she doesn't live with them. No. 
So she just pops into the narrative at points, yeah. and it's always interesting. Yeah. But whereas he has got his little room under the little stairs, Harry or whatever Potter it is, cupboard. That, <laughs> and he's just stuck with it, and yeah. he, talk, he keeps talking about the fact that he's given up. He's basically given up eleven years of his life. Yeah. For Nando so far. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, when are you going to turn me into a vampire? When are you going to turn me into a vampire? And then he keeps meeting yeah. other familiars who are often a lot older than him, yes. and they're still yeah, waiting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like They're really old, old. Yeah. really but old it, and grey. Again, it kind of it, his character and the decision to kind of make him a, a you know kind of a Latino um, character is is also kind of interesting because like in the first episode, I think he points at a picture of uh, Antonio Banderas, isn't he, in Interview the Vampire? Oh yes. Armand. Um, and you know, as th- <laughs> this is the image that he's got for himself. That he, you know, so that his. It, relationship to media images of vampires is important in his kind of you know vision of his aspirational self but um and i was actually part of a couple of um what we do in the shadows uh fan groups on facebook and i came across a lovely post last night um which was um from a fan who has um persian heritage um, right. Just saying, okay. you know, does anybody else, anybody else, you know, kind of come from the same background as me? Because he finds Nandor so, um, or so they found Nan- Nandor so kind of important, relatable. Because often, you know, Persian um, <clears throat> cultures and characters are not portrayed in the way that Nandor is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not used for comedy, used for, you know, kind of much more stereotypical and often insidious representation yeah. so he was just saying that that you know and the fact they have him speak farsi and that you know is you know yeah. really important in terms of representation mm. the ethnic um spread across the characters is <coughs> really interesting actually i mean you know you've got naja is a greek yeah vampire which in itself that's you know that's not a stereotype is it can you think of any other greek vampires just, just that. I mean, not I off the top of my head. <laughs> I, I'm not sure it says that she is, but I, you know, the actress is yeah. Greek, mm. and she's she's using that accent, um, which is if you've, I mean, I've never seen Natasha Dimitrio acting in anything else, but I've heard her interviews. Um, I've heard she's she regularly turns up on the Adam Buxton podcast, so I've heard interviews with her a lot. Uh, over the last couple of years, before I ever saw her in anything, and I know stuff about her parents and um, and all this, and basically the voice of Nadja is her impression of her mum. Right. <laughs> she just breaks into that voice, and her dad. To be fair, yeah. they both sound like that. Um, she just breaks into the accent when she's talking about them, um, and it's like I just really appreciate that. It's, I mean, the accent is kind of similar enough to the kind of stereotypical Transylvanian Russian yeah. accent that it still sounds vampire-y mm. uh, in a way that's recognisable, but it but it is a different accent. Mm. Um, and then, you know, obviously you've got Matt Berry's character is supposed to be English, which he is. He is. But um, it's just Matt Berry is a vampire, yes. though, isn't it? Because <laughs> it's just Matt Berry and everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I think that... Uh, I, like, I love Matt Berry. Um, he's hugely talented and mm. loads of the things he's done over the years have made me laugh um it's strange i i just i think this might be the best thing he's ever done but it's weird that he's not really doing anything different yeah. than he's done before yeah you know he's just doing his usual thing but it's like he's waited 20 years for the right series to fit around him yeah mm. um, yeah that's i mean you, you know because he the characters he plays are so huge yeah um that 
usually it's in a show it's just him yeah surrounded by all the characters who seem inconsequential in comparison yeah whereas every all the other characters here are so interesting and uh, uh, and the performances are so uh, you know kind of perfectly pitched that he just kind of fits in with it but um you know he does have a way of just saying anything mm. and making it funny I think with him as well. The other that what strikes me is that in anything that I've seen him, seen him in from Mighty Crowd, um, Mighty Boosh, etc., is Mm. that he always sort of feels like he's like I don't want to say the you know he's like an old soul, but his his kind of persona is quite archaic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so the idea that he's you know that he fits in uh, into Laszlo so well because. The, you know that's that's the vampire archetype, isn't it? <laughs> it's mm. gonna, yeah, yeah. You know, is is is. It's a very yeah. good observation. Yeah, and that part of the hilarity of Laszlo, particularly in uh, episode was an episode in season two. Not going to give too much spoilers. Is that yeah. is the juxtaposition between that archaic persona um, and the contemporary America, mm. and that they yes. don't kind yeah. of mix. <laughs> uh, it's wonderful. Um, Listeners, we will probably get into some spoilers towards the end of the discussion, but we'll flag them up. Yeah. So if any of you haven't watched the show yet, you know, you're safe at the moment, but we'll give you a chat <laughs> when we're gonna get into anything that that will um that will ruin anything. Um Stella, so you wanted to talk a bit about the fact that this show, this T V show is made by FX. Yes. Which is the American network we've we've discussed um previously, um because of its uh, of its willingness to try different things, and and you know it was the, the network that had the strain, yeah. for instance. So, um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So you know more than us. On that. <laughs> yeah. So basically, the the crux of all my research so far has been to look at horror in the conditions or the channel of which it's been made. So I always think it's worthwhile looking at where where something has come from and how it's how it's come about to be on that channel and how it fits in that channel and then therefore sort of the flip side of that is how the conditions and the policies and strategies at a certain tv channel how that impacts on a horror program how it allows accordances and spaces for a horror horror show to be able to do stuff or to not do stuff so with what we do in the shadows it was obviously come from a very sort of I guess cult is the right word, original film. Not many people had mm. heard of it. You know, I was professing myself to be a horror fan and I'd never heard of it until my friends pressed it upon me. So, you know, how does a very a cult New Zealand film end up on FX in America? So it's worth looking back at how FX came to beat in order to understand how that process happened. So I'll try and run through this fairly quickly. So FX is owned by FX Networks, and it's a subsidiary, I always trip over that word, as Fox of the Fox Entertainment Group, who are owned by 21st Century Fox. Now that's owned by Disney, but when What We Do in the Shadows was greenlit, it was before the Disney takeover, so we can ignore Disney for right. this sort of uh, period of thought. So mm-hmm. when FX launched in 1994, it was in the middle of sort of the cable boom after the Cable Communications Act was passed and a load of channels arrived. And it was a, when it started, it was a fully live broadcast coming from an apartment in Manhattan. So it was a bit like, do you remember the big breakfast here in the morning? Mm-hmm. So it was like that. So there's 
they had this apartment in in Manhattan, and they had like they'd move the cameras between different rooms, and they'd have guests on, and they'd have um, callers ringing in and stuff, and it it was awful, and it was just fully live broadcast for 24 hours a day, and it was like that's not gonna last. <laughs> um, and they yeah they eventually got rid of it, thank God. But while it was doing that, it was doing lots of other innovative things, and it's the innovation of FX that has always stood out for me as someone who studies American TV drama. So the first channel to do interactive TV, they were the early adopter of live viewer email. So in the late um, 90s, one of the first channels to do that. And it was featuring what, you know, the viewers were saying on their show and tailoring their show, tailoring their channel to what the viewers said. Anyway, they got rid of the live apartment, which was good. And they began to focus on classic TV shows and they relaunched it. So they, so it could become more like a, the other cable channels. So they realised this live business wasn't going to stick. So around the early 2000s, they started to target a male 18 to 49 demographic and they were rerunning other Fox shows like The X-Files and Buffy. And it's around this point that it starts to get really interesting and they start making their own original scripted series. And you'll see this time and time again across American TV channels, They'll, especially cable channels. Cable used to be seen as the home for reruns. Then when channels start to dip their toe into their originals, then you know stuff starts to happen, like with AMC and The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. So in 1998, they launched three new series. And what's interesting here is they were all cancelled during the first season. So they didn't wait for the season to end. They got a few episodes in and went, nah, strike that, we'll start again. And then they did um, a Baywatch parody, which was awful. And then they acquired the rights to Ally McBeal, NYPD Blue and The Practice. And then early 2000s, they start getting into things like they'd launched The Shield. If everyone remember watching that. Mm. Nip Tuck. Michael Chiklis. Yeah. Nip Tuck, which was an early um, Ryan Murphy project uh, and Rescue Me. And all of these did critically very, very well. So they're clearly taking lots of risks at this point. They're starting series and then they're cancelling them and they're doing what you'd call edgy dramas, I guess. So around this point, you've got the Parents Television Council, who are this unelected, unofficial body who lobby advertisers and TV channels to stop making interesting content, really. Um, So they were boycotting um, FX programming due to their graphic and morally perverse content, they said. So obviously good. So basically, the Parents TV (laughs) Television Council were saying this is morally bad for people to watch. Advertisers shouldn't be advertising on it. At the same time, FX are just like, yeah, whatever. We'll make our own stuff. So they did um, a comedy called Starved, which is about anorexia. They made It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is amazing if you've never watched that. Um, I've never seen it, but... It's fantastic. Danny DeVito, isn't it? Yeah. So they did Black White, they did Thief, Dirt, The Riches, Damages. So loads of, you know, stuff that people are starting to really get on board with. Then in 2008, this competition from AMC. So they launched Mad Men and then Breaking Bad. FX kicks back and they launched Sons of Anarchy. Um, And then FX gets even more innovative around this time. It relaunches its website and it starts adding streaming of full service, full episodes rather of its original content. It's one of the first cable channels to do it. Um, In 2008 and 9, FX launches seven more new shows, three of which they cancelled after one season. So the main point here is that FX, they're, they're not afraid to boldly go. They're not afraid to try stuff. And this will try anything you can clearly see in their own horror programming so as you can see later on they launch um american horror story the strain they go through all those things and because it's a cable channel it has its own broadcasting standards and practices department so that means they self-regulate they can define their own moral ethical and legal implications of the content that they make 
And for the FX um, broadcasting standards and practices, I think they must feel sometimes as if they're banging their heads against a brick wall because of the content of FX's horror programming. So American Horror Story doesn't shy away. The Strain, as we've mentioned on a previous show, with all its the parasitic vampires and the, the worms in the eyeballs advertising that Kirsty mm-hmm. loves. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> when it came to what we do in the shadows... So what, it's picked up by FX. They're making what we're doing in the shadows. Um, FX orders a pilot in the first instance. They don't order a full series, just order a pilot. They make the pilot. They think, right, go for it. And they order the full series. And they tell them, you have no limitation on your language or on your violence. So what we do in the shadows crew, they go, <laughs> okay then. So they've got the capacity to be as sweary and as violent as they want, as well as working on the comedy, as well as riffing on all the vampire you know, codes and conventions that we've talked about. They can be as sweary and as rude as they absolutely want to. And the other thing that marks FX out as a channel that's just... It's just so much more interesting than all the other cable channels is the president is called John Langraff and I'm sure I've mentioned him before yeah. and he he gets quite involved with all of the original scripted series and he said to the makers of what we do in the shadows I don't want you to shy away from language and I don't want you to shy away from the horror violence and you know he was saying this is what's going to work for this show it can't be watered down even though it's comedy and it's mockumentary we can't neuter this at all in terms of its horror content so as well as it having it's got its gothic and vampire horror aesthetics, it's it gets to play with that and be funny, mm. which is why it's worked. So was there anything else that I wanted to say about this in terms of FX? So one of the ways to get noticed in in terms of horror drama, because there's so much of it now on television, and also there's many, many other dramas, John Langraff said himself, we went through a period of peak TV where there was just so much stuff, is that you need to do something to stand out. And there's been many vampire things on TV before, Buffy, even Dark Shadows back in the 60s, mm-hmm. and The Strain, um, True Blood. There's just loads and loads of vampire things. So what we do in The Shadows is, you know, it's, it's riffing on all these things. And it's doing it in the mockumentary style and poking fun at the fun at the vampire rather. And that's not really that common to TV horror or to vampires. TV horror and vampires that have all been quite serious monsters. They're either really gross and monstrous like they are in The Strain, or they're selfish and they're excessive like an American Horror Story um, hotel season. Or away from TV, you've got you know your romantic, sparkly vampires in Twilight. So what we do in the shadows is doing an excellent sort of genre hybrid of taking taking comedy, taking style from sitcoms and mockumentaries, taking the horrific violence and, and swearing from, say, maybe something like Breaking Bad and squishing it all together and creating a product that's not really been seen or done particularly for American television before. And it's worked for them. So they've got, um, where's my figures? So when it was aired, when it goes out live, it's, clocking about 700,000 viewers watching it live but over its live plus three viewings so in America they count um, catch-up viewings as well and it's been pushed up to 3.2 million views per episode which for a cable drama that's a lot Mm. that's an awful lot so their FX are kind of viewing it now as um, one of their best multi-platform cases or multi-platform things on their slate and because they've always been innovative in doing that what we do in the shadows is working for them very well as it's a TV show that's horror. It's a vampire TV show. We've had that before. It's a documentary, mockumentary. We've had that before. It's a comedy. We've had that before. Mm. But it's all mushed together, yeah. and it ticks all their boxes for how television is consumed now, which is generally most people, yeah. as you can see with these figures, watch on catch up. So FX have got absolutely no reason to to cancel this one. They're going to keep it going. 
what the conditions to sum up the conditions of fx have meant that it's a channel that is not afraid to take risks they want to do things that are a little bit edgy and a little bit different they want to stand out and they want to fit or tick these boxes of multi-platform and like you said Kirsty, because they're building a universe with it with films and tv shows it's just i can just see it going a lot further on fx and john langraff the the president he's he's very happy with it he's always whapping away in the press about how how much he's happy with it and how well it's doing and he's really proud of it and i think so they should be yeah, so that's how it got there. Yeah, I think there's um, the of course the Emmy the Emmy nomination, bless you, um, who comes Excuse from me. Um, you know that that uh, uh, broadcasters have to put their own you know they have to submit their own um, potential nominees, don't they? So mm. it's not a kind of case of people you know the kind of the whoever's in charge of the enemies of foreign press or whatever it is, um, <laughs> they you know kind of. Um, rather than just going oh yeah that one it's because yeah. uh, fx would have gone actually here's here's yeah. what we think is actually the, our, our strongest kind of content in that way mm. um so but I, what i think going back to dan's point about before about the kind of worry about how this very charming and sweet film <laughs> kind of translates to an american kind of kind of television you know not only a a, a, a you know kind of continental jump but also a me, you know kind of media platform jump um, mm. Part of I think what worried me about it was just the 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 way the kind of comedy that it is. So Taika Waititi, uh, Dwight Titi, um, uh, and others as well, Jermaine Clement and Reese Darby have always talked about um, that kind of news. What the New Zealand sense of humour is, what they call uh, what he's called the kind of comedy of the mundane. So mm-hmm. it's you know it's it's just you know it's everyday life and things that aren't normally funny that you know kind of New Zealanders find find humor in so um you know the kind of examples in in the film are things like um so viago's female victim for example actually the mechanics of how do you how do you actually feed <laughs> in a way um and then what happens when you get it wrong and you know so there's a whole kind of there's a whole <laughs> sort of quite amusing scene of him feeding um and then you know that as we talked about before the whole uh, you know, kind of argument about the washing up and the, how that escalates, <laughs> um, and then you know the kind of more practical stuff of well, if vampires can't see themselves in mirrors, then how do they get ready? And they get, yeah, yeah. They, they get ready, they <laughs> judge each other and they draw little pictures of each other to show, you know. <laughs> so it's you know that's kind of you know the mundane problems of being a vampire is what makes what we do in the shadow of the film funny. Um, yeah. And I think my worry was that in going to television that and going to America because the kind of values of American media comedy are much bigger, much broader, much, you know, more kind of hyperbolic, aren't they? Um, Mm. Is that that wouldn't be where the comedy comes from anymore. But what's lovely about it is actually that that's still where the comedy comes from. And actually the whole, the juxtaposition of the language and the violence and the, you know, visual effects Mm. balances so well because, you know, Dan, as you talked about before, the problems that the vampires are solving in what we do in the shadows is how do I get into places? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you know? How do I, you know, kind of solve the problem of a friend of mine being, you know, in the, you know, kind of in animal control because, yeah, you know, as, uh, you know they get caught when they're a bat, you know. Uh, someone stole my hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's, there's still really mundane problems that, then that's where the comedy's generated, isn't it? Is the, yeah. that, um, so it's nice to see that that is kind of translated and that, that despite the freedom to to have quite grown up con- content in terms of 
taboo content is it still retains a really charming mm. kind of heart if that makes sense yeah yeah i think i think that was what leads fx to be the right place for it because if it was on uh, a channel that's a bit more sort of gung-ho with its comedy yeah so if it was on fox for example who did scream queens and yeah. things like that it would have to be it would have to be bigger yeah and shinier and they they couldn't laugh no or get the laughs out of yeah. i've lost my hat yeah. the episode i've lost my yeah. hat you know it they'd have to make the situations like you said more yeah just just yeah it would it would have pushed it away from what it was i think whereas i think fx gave it the room to be well you can be you can keep that contained almost smallness yeah whilst you know having quite a bit of money and to, the, yeah and i think that also kind of comes back to just again the kind of the the, the choices in the casting because mm. the original film was largely improvised they didn't have oh you know kind of taika watiti and jermaine clement had a script but they didn't show share it with the actors so a lot of that stuff is you know it's kind of rift and um a very short script yeah well. exactly mm. <laughs> yeah. um but of course, TV and American television, you know, even on FX, can't work like that. So, no, you know, because the they've got the schedules. They, yeah, exactly. So, the, but the fact they've got these, you know, four actors as the vampires, um, in particular, who, well, at least three. Obviously, you're talking about um, uh, uh, the guy who plays Colin Robinson, not being as familiar with him, his work. But the yeah. other three have been quite, you know, substantial comedic, you know, kind of back catalogues. Certainly in this, yeah, it will in this country, yeah. absolutely. Maybe not so much. And but I think that mitigates against yeah. the tone because the well, the, the British sense of humour is closer to the New Zealand. Yeah, and yeah. I think that those, even though that you know, we talked about the ethnic spread, but all all those three actors are are British based actors, yeah. even if they're also half Greek or whatever. Um, and I and and they come from British comedy, and I think that that. I mean, I always assumed that the BBC had some involvement in it because it looks so much like a British comedy show, but I I guess they, they have no production involvement at all. They just broadcast it. Yeah, I think they've right? you've got distribu- distribution yeah, rights. Yeah, they've just got distribution yeah. rights. Yeah. Right. And I would assume that that's because of the cast. Yeah. Right. With such a... British-based cast, it makes sense to make that link. Yeah. yeah. Although I mean, it, it fits in with their other yeah. programming. Mm. Although it's, yeah. it's interesting that the Channel 4 E4 didn't snap it up because of Yeah, the, I thought that too. Yeah. Well, because they do uh, Matt Berry's other stuff, but, most of his other stuff, yeah, and also, also Natasha um, yeah. Demetrio's stuff as well. And Phone so. Jacker mm. as well. So they've oh, got, yeah, they've of got course. Them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I think yeah. it's that sense yeah. of that they've all now you know, <laughs> somehow more status in working in america that the yeah. bbc went okay they well, go to we'll the bbc that. now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which to be fair and i love the bbc but it is what they've always yeah. done isn't it yeah, yeah. Like, yeah we'll wait for comedians to get really cool on some other channel yes. and then we'll steal them we'll snap them up. As, as far back as the young ones you know, yeah yeah sure yeah so, um, although you know the bbc getting the distribution rights for it um for season two and the start of lockdown was just like oh We'll watch that. <laughs> and yes. me, me and Owen had to, um, we kept having to say, right, we'll watch two tonight <laughs> and then, then we'll save some because yeah. otherwise we'd have just, we'd have just panelled it in two nights. She was yeah. like, no, we'll watch watch two and then if we want to stay up and, you know, watch more TV, well, then yeah. we'll, we'll watch something else. <laughs> yeah, I think I always yeah. watch four or five episodes at a sitting. Yeah, th- there was one night where we watched two and I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I'd just yeah. like to speak to your point about you know um, the the freedom with the the, S- the sorry the freedom that FX gave them with regards to the violence and the mm. swearing and all that. Um, I would say for the benefit of listeners who've not seen the show, uh, it doesn't feel that violent. No. Although it obviously is, yeah. you know, mm. there are there are stakings and things like that in it that yeah. you expect yeah. in a vampire show. There is blood and whatever. But and I think part of the reason why it doesn't hit so much problem that it's a comedy mm. is that because of the um the aesthetic of the docu soap. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all it all has this appearance of spontaneity. Mm. So when uh, you know, Matt Berry gets in a fit of peak and goes, Bat! It turns into a bat. <laughs> the camera is not expecting him to do that. Yeah. So um, they don't show him do it. He's just suddenly off camera and they spin round and you yeah. see a bat flying away. Um, and the same happen- is with regard to a lot of the kind of violent acts. And also the, the swearing. It doesn't feel, there, it doesn't have that director aesthetic that kind of might emphasize any of these elements. Mm. It just kind of feels quite light and natural mm. um, and I should say as well in terms of continuing the tone from the movie to the series not only is it created by Jermaine Clement but he directs some episodes and so does Taika yeah, Waititi yeah. Um, so I, you know but but there's obviously kind of a large writer's room um, with a very purposeful um, set of scripts and uh, you know we talked about the fact that Guillermo's arc or Guillermo sorry my crap Spanish pronunciation Guillermo's arc kind of feels really purposeful and and I think that extends across the show it's but at the same time it generally feels quite spontaneous as well I think it's a a great balance that they've got between um, between those things so before we start talking about like specific moments or characters that we like that might contain spoilers is there anything else we'd like to just broadly discuss about the show. Oh, I've got one. Sorry, I was going to say that. <laughs> um, just like following on from that point, um, the use of the docu-soap convention um, is, is really interesting, although it is one of my only kind of minor criticisms of the show. I was talking to Stella and Ian about this last week when we were talking about par- paranormal activity and the difference between being very careful in setting up your exact reasons for taking a found footage approach mm. which paranormal activity does and which what we do in the shadows the film does mm. because it kind of has a title card at the start yeah. that says every year there is um the, this vampire convention and and we're going to document the convention so we've we've been following some vampires around for six months beforehand you know there's a very specific thing like that and there's loads of great moments in the film where other characters react to the camera crew mm. what's that camera crew doing here you know um it's not just the main characters who interact with the camera it's everyone and it kind of carries that all the way through the series much like paranormal activity 2 incidentally <laughs> kind of establishes it uh, kind of throws away that logic and just goes well uh they're filming it but we won't address it too much just get just whatever um and uh, and and as a result they don't do the same kind of jokes in the show a lot of the time certainly for the first series they kind of only really uh, acknowledge the camera crew in like every 
second or third episode. Mm -hmm. Whereas towards the end of the second series, I felt that they were bringing it much more. I don't really mind because it still works. Mm -hmm. The characters still work and it's still hugely funny. But I just, I really did appreciate that they kind of set up this very firm documentary format um, for the film, which they then kind of went um, kind of smushy on with the <laughs> series. Kirsty, I think you want yeah, to feed them I, on this. Well, I think that partly that the reason for that is probably to do with trends in in television, American television sitcom, though, right? Because, you know, if you yeah. look at Modern Family and you look at The Office um, yes. and others as well, that they've often taken yeah. that, that approach of this is documentary, um, but we're not really going to explain what, what the documentary is, or we're not going to bring in the yeah. crew as characters. That just we're just going to cut to interviews, and we're going to have occasional kind of fourth wall breaks um, to this, you know, kind of knowing camera. Um, well, yeah. So I think like within the the film, because of it's setting up that as a thing for this particular universe. And even the film uses the New Zealand documentary board logo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think for a film viewer, it's much more important, isn't it? To locate us in a space that where we kind of go, okay, yeah. this is, you know, I'm not watching that omniscient observer, you know, this is, you know, kind of found footage or this is a documentary crew. And this is how I understand I'm seeing the film. Um, but because of things like the office and, and whatever American television comedy, doesn't mm. feel the need to do that um, as consistently. And I'm going to be honest, I like it annoys the crap out of me when like <laughs> it seems to be really inconsistently used. Um, yeah. Not not just in this, but across the board. I think there are a few shows that have started to do that now, which is they set up that, oh yeah, we're, we're going to use that documentary kind of format and then don't really follow it through completely. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the bit which threw me was in the animal control episode where suddenly there's an interview with the woman who drives the van that picks up animals. And I'm yeah. like, how did they even get there? Why are they talking to her? Who does she think they are? <laughs> but, it, but the scene only lasts for like yeah, yeah. 20 seconds yeah. and then it just moves on. Um, so, you know, but it's funny and charming. Yeah. So, you know, and and it's, there's also on, on the slightly the other side of, of that barrier containing those kind of shows is like the thick of it where it's kind of mm -hmm. filmed as if it's a docu-soap yeah, but it doesn't say it is no. yeah. so the characters never acknowledge the camera but yeah. at the same time it has that freestyle to it yeah. and, mm -hmm. and it, it, it just makes it kind of feel more alive and more relatable mm. um, so I think you know it, what they do in this show you get immediately and, and it helps you get into it but um but I, I was just, I suppose the only reason I brought it up really was because that I, I loved so much that, that they were so specific about setting up the parameters yeah. of the documentary in the film. And then they didn't do that in the series. But it would be harder to, to keep it up over the series anyway. And yeah. as Ian said last week when we were talking about this and he mentioned The Office, he said, when are they actually going to release the docu-soap <laughs> series that The Office yeah. is supposed to be yeah. about the making of? So... You know, it, it's, it, it ran for 10 seasons. <laughs> so, um, so, no, there's got, there's got to be limits. But, um, yeah, so that's my, my only real criticism, apart from the fact that I, I felt like it didn't really get going for the first kind of episode and a half. Um, are, are there any other kind of criticisms in a non-spoilery way that, that we feel like we, we should bring up? Yeah. even However reluctantly, even though we, we love yeah. the show. No, I... Go ahead, well, his his mm, okay. Um, it's couple of, the, the two sort of linked things. One is that um, with the 
Oh, it's it's difficult because I really love the film and I really love the TV show. So I'm, you know, I'm going to be a critical fan. Um, uh, the, with the exception of, of, of Jackie and um, the character who's probably best described as the beast in the film, mm. um, there aren't that many female characters except for kind of victims. And they're all, it's all, you know, it's all very yeah. kind of male dominated. Um, and I'm kind of really glad that in the TV show they went, okay, well, that's a, that's a problem. So we'll, you know, kind of bring Nadia in. But then she's still one of three. One, sorry, one mm, of yeah. four. Um, and the kind of other female characters that we meet, like Jenna, for example, are kind of very secondary. Um, mm. So I, think, I do think on the whole it has a problem with kind of female representation, which could be better i think yeah um could yeah. be better addressed yeah. I, sure. I think no more so than a lot of comedy yeah oh no do. yeah yeah i don't, I don't um, think it's a specific you know, and, problem it's just it, yeah it, it's, it's not really a knock against it in fact that uh, in context yeah i think that that convention of you know the token female yeah Mm-hmm. Sadly, is a thing that's happened across Absolutely. And I, and I, I'm not, and, and I hope we're moving beyond it. I mean, I've noticed in recent years, you always used to get that on panel shows. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. didn't you? You'd always have three guys and one woman, but now it's it's much more likely to be an even. Yeah, spread. well, the BBC so have a thing, don't they, where they say it can't be yeah. anymore. They can't do that anymore. But anyway, oh, okay. um, the the other thing it's kind of slightly related is to do with. Um, you know, so if if if, you, if you're like me and you're familiar with with vampire kind of culture, um, in, in terms of media cultures and stuff, is that, that particularly the Anne Rice variety comes up with, comes with an awful lot of kind of um, homoerotic subtext in it. Yeah. Um, oh yes. Which the film and the television play, film, television show both play with, but I would ask, so in the film there's um, Deacon does an erotic dance. <laughs> <laughs> this is very funny because it's not a particularly erotic dance um <laughs> is, is i mean and, and well it might be but i didn't find it an erotic dance yeah not for me <laughs> not for, well, no. for for viago and for um vladislav which is lovely yeah. and then there's a scene i can't remember i think it's in season two where both nandor and um nandor and laszlo um and they end up with with uh, with uh, an appendage Engorgement, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. which they agree to sort help each other out with uh, mu- yeah. mutual, mutual uh, assistance. Assistance in those. Yes. Yeah. And the thing is, is that whilst those two moments kind of tip <laughs> their hat at that kind of homoerotic subtext, I suppose, of vampire some some elements of vampire literature, um, mm. and vampire um, you know kind of media, it it's used for kind of comedy. I'm yes. not sure that's necessarily that helpful from a kind of queer representation I mean, perspective because none of the characters are, you know, kind of identify as queer. Mm-hmm. Do they? No. Um, but, uh, go on. It's on, it's on a spectrum yes. of kind of gay representation in vampire literature. I mean, for I think, you know, yeah, the, the sort of bisexual vampire is quite common, but I think it's far more common for it to be the female one. Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah. it starts um, playing, playing into a male gaze, so isn't it? And all, well, yeah, you know. yeah. So, um, so, so it's nice that they're kind of avoiding that, but at the same time, yeah. I mean, there, uh, but uh, and also, I would say it is a comedy, so yeah, yeah. anything it does is is going to be for comedic effect. But um, I, I don't know. I, I would give it time, hopefully, because I think that the. Um, 
the the kind of initially silly comic situations that are set up to with all the characters, uh, like with Guillermo specifically, over time develop into something that's quite affecting mm. in a non-comedic mm. way. And I think hopefully you could do something like that with characters like Laszlo and Nandor. Um, yeah, I, I'm just I'm not convinced that they will necessarily. But I, you well, know, yeah. I think. Uh, uh, only because Laszlo and Laszlo and Nadia are so. Um, I mean, that's there's, there's a whole bit, isn't there, in in one of the early episodes where oh, it's with the duke. Did the duke arrives? Is it the duke or the baron? Yeah. And that is yeah, the, the kind the, of in, the, the, intercut between you know, kind of Nadia saying, "Oh, this will be awkward because we had a you know, yeah, we had a thing,", thing yeah. and then Laszlo also saying, "Oh yeah, we had a thing." Um, yeah. Yeah. So I suppose there are kind of, but it's, it's yeah, it's just I suppose that the use of those things to kind of generate comedy is still, you know, it's it's back context, isn't it? And, and mm. I'm not sure we're necessarily there yet. Mm. That where these things can be funny without just seeming a little bit kind of reductive and a little bit, mm. bit crass, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Mm. Oh, fair point. You got anything, Stella, that you'd like to mention to knock? About the show, or is it just all great? It's <laughs> all very, very good. It's completely valid. <laughs> um, fantastic. Okay, well, I think we we best go into our spoiler section now. Then just talk about things that we love specifically <laughs> um, that that the listener might not want to have spoiled. So skip to the end, folks. Yes. If you haven't seen it yet, we'll go away and watch the show. Honestly, we haven't convinced you by now. Yeah. Um, so. I asked you for kind of specific characters or moments or lines uh, that you might want to mention. So I'll start off with one. Um, <laughs> that's my favourite silly line that's just, it's not especially remarkable, but it's stuck in my head for some reason. It's not just, piss this, you are welcome to his Siemens. <laughs> <laughs> Which is in the, the kind of Witch's Coven episode where Laszlo and Nandor get kidnapped by a coven of witches who, who <laughs> need to drain their semen for, for their own use <sighs> and at first Dancha kind of is trying to rescue them but then realises that, <laughs> that Laszlo and Nando have had a sexual relationship in the past yeah. uh, it's, and this is quite a late season 2 episode isn't it so I think it's the second maybe, to last is it or the f- yeah, I very think last so. I can't remember. This is, it's not the very last because yeah. that's the um, Grand the... Guignol Vampire Theatre yeah. one, I think. But you know, so maybe this is the fracturing in the Nadja Laszlo relationship <laughs> um, at this point. But I just love. I feel like there's certain lines which just feel like that they were just spontaneously improvised. Yeah, and that's uh, that's one of them because again, it just sounds like Natasia Dimitrio's mum to me. <laughs> um, I think her delivery yeah. throughout it, whenever she, whenever she's really exasperated. The way she delivers stuff is, like you said, it just feels very, very natural. So the the episode with the hat, and he goes to yeah. get his hat back from the guy in the club. Um, Simon the Devious. Simon the Devious. <laughs> <laughs> and the, she, I don't know how many times in the episode that she must say that effing hat, <laughs> and just like she's just like that fucking hat <laughs> all the time, and just the way she delivers it every single time with that look at the camera, I love it. I love it. I love, I love her. Yeah, in fact, no, I want to be Nadia no, when too, I grow up. Me too. She's, <laughs> she's, she's, a, she's an icon. I think and, she is. And my my yeah, teenage she... goth girl self just wants to be her. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, sixteen-year-old me yeah. is screaming. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's brilliant, and she's the only one who I think, even though we talked about the fact that, that they all think they're cool, but they're not. Mm. And in fact, I'll, I'll, I'll quote um, another podcast, NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour, when they were reviewing this show. They said basically you can sum it up in three words: vampires as dweebs, <laughs> and, um, and that's kind of what they are. But, but at the same time, Nadja somehow is sort of cool, even though she's kind of pathetic and an idiot. You yeah. know, She can't pronounce the word Jeff. That wonderful <laughs> storyline about her trying to reconnect with her reincarnated lost love, but she can't say Jeff because it's not an Eastern European enough sounding <laughs> word and she calls him Jesk. Um, <laughs> the, the things like that, you know. Uh, uh, so uh, great. Uh, and they just play on so many little ideas. Yeah. Mm. so wonderfully well and what would you like to say Kirsty about- <laughs> so there's one line and I think it's somewhere in the first couple of episodes I'm not sure where but then again it's a Nadia one where she says <laughs> this I had to find it to say that I can read it without just cracking up because I probably will she says and I don't know what the context for this is um, off the top of my head we would have have none free zones with a sign that says, <laughs> that says no nuns no nuns none <laughs> <laughs> yes. Honestly, oh, I, I love I love a good bit of wordplay, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's just marvelous. Yeah. Her delivery is, yeah. is fantastic. So yeah, um, and I've actually yeah, seen yeah. you can get a sign. People have got <laughs> done signs that say no, yeah, nuns, no nuns, none, none. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic! Oh, brilliant. Um, that's what I should have asked for for my birthday. <laughs> Owen's been asking me, "What do you want for your birthday?" And I'm like, oh, "I don't know, I don't know, I don't know." Yeah. Yeah. Should have been that. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> oh dear. How about you, it's Dan? Too late. Um, well, um, what other things do I love that I just wanted to mention, apart from everything? <laughs> um, so, um, boo. Have I said it? Have I said all my stuff? I think I have. What an idiot. Okay, um, so we so we just talk about, we talk about the trial. <laughs> yeah, so we talk well, about the trial then. <laughs> yes, yeah, we all want to go there, don't we? So mm-hmm. um is 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 that the vampire council? Yes. Yeah. Can I yes. yeah, so this is so. season one, episode season seven. One. I had it it's written. quite yeah, late episode in season seven, one, I think it's yeah. Yeah, um, one, it's ten one episodes seven. each, aren't they? Yeah. Like, the series. And it yes. is one seven. It is directed by Taika Watiti as well, so this is, you know, kind of <laughs> Yeah. Significant episode. Um so the, to explain what happens in the episode just very quickly. Yes, yeah. sure. Well, basically, um, earlier in the series, uh, I can't remember why. What did they do? They, they basically they've done something to uh, they, attract the wrath of the local vampire council. Yeah. So, well, I think it's a global vampire council. But <laughs> oh, is it the global? Yeah. Well, yes, so they they yeah. they go. It's because so they accidentally kill the Baron, don't they? They take him oh, out. Yes, Guillermo does it, doesn't he? Yeah. Does he open a curtain or yeah, something? Yeah. No. Yeah. By well, the yeah, way, yeah. the Baron is the ancient vampire yes. played rather wonderfully yes. by Doug Jones. Absolutely. That but they, extraordinary they go out and looking actor. Get him trashed, mm. don't they? Um, yeah. They they drink That's... they drink drug blood, um, yes. and they all have a lovely evening, and they do talk about. The idea. I think they've previously talked about the idea that the, he needs to, to not be around anymore. But yeah. I think they all have such a lovely evening that they decide that they're not going to do that. And then Guillermo... Yeah, he has pizza, doesn't yeah. he? <laughs> he decides that he wants to eat human yeah. food. Yeah. So he has some pizza and then yeah. throws it up immediately. Yeah. So Guillermo, I think, when they're at home, accidentally either opens the door or opens the curtain. 
something like that. And, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. It's just coming in. It's just a shaft yeah, of light, yeah. and then. And so it's they're having that typical kind of wandering home at dawn. Yeah. And having a, had a night out kind of moment. Yeah. They've just got home just before the sun started to come up and they're just standing there talking and then Guillermo <laughs> comes in uh, and the daylight comes in and the Baron is just yes. gone. Yeah. yeah. So in this episode, um, after this the consequences of this event catch up with them and they are summoned before the, the Global Vampire Council who put them on trial. Yes. Um, and... Just the the process the process that they go to when they initially come to the to meet the council, you think it's basically Dave Batista and and this other vampire, yeah, the, Garrett. Um, <laughs> oh god! But it's not those. No. That they're just like the waiting yeah. room or mm-hmm. the ante room to the council chamber, and then they go into the council chamber. And I have to say, this was a point at which my you know, I love the show, but I was still missing the characters from the movie. Yeah. I think a remarkable thing about that movie is that it's only... It's quite short. It's an hour and 20 minutes or something. Mm. But you, you get to really feel for those characters. And and I did miss their presence mm. in the, the series up to this point, even though I could see that Jermaine Clement and Titi were not far away behind the camera. Um, but then I got a nice surprise. Um, and it was one of many, many, many nice surprises, nice surprises. <laughs> indeed. indeed. Yeah. So. Yeah. So the so the uh, council. Um, do, this is. I mean, again. So the, we're obviously in spoiler territory. I think what's interesting is obviously um, that we have the return of those characters from the film, um, Viago, Vladislav, and Deacon. Although Nick the vampire is is missing. Um, and if, if anybody's wondering about what happened to Peter, watch the film. Um, uh, is that how, like, if, if that's the, the global council of vampires, how did those three idiots <laughs> get to <laughs> that's be... That's just politics, such, isn't it, mate? <laughs> get to be in such positions of power? Because that's the thing that doesn't really tally for me. I don't know. I think it just reflects contemporary politics. Does how do any well, idiots get in positions of power? Okay, how, how did those three lovely idiots then get Oh, to yeah, that? they wouldn't want the no, power. I, no. I imagine they're quite yeah. uncomfortable on yeah. the council, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think maybe Viago is just very good at kind of keeping the peace between people, yeah. as, mm-hmm. you know, as, as he was in the flat, and he's just been very diplomatic. And in fact, in this scene, he's the, like, the nice, approachable <laughs> yeah. council member who introduces everybody um it, it is very kind of typically make yeah. gentle style but then there are a number of other surprises yes can, I, can we before council. we get to those can i we just talk about yeah. their actual introduction though because they the the, the, the council are <laughs> in white silk you know kind of robes and they do this you know very dramatic almost you know suspiria-esque uh, kind of dance yeah. number um, uh, to welcome <laughs> welcome the the accused into the into the the trial, um, and in the middle of it all, <laughs> we see uh, Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement and um, the guy who plays Deacon, whose name escapes me. Apologies to that person. Doing versions yeah, of Deacon's erotic dance. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same arm movement Are that they they're really? doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as they sort of, so you sort of spot them amongst this <laughs> kind of much more serious group of dancers. Oh, well, I do remember seeing uh, Jermaine Clement and yeah, just yeah. thinking, is that Jermaine Clement? Mm-hmm. You yeah. just from his face because you, you know you just got like 
brief glimpse. I, we I kept pausing it. it. <laughs> we kept right. pausing it, going that ah, what <laughs> to figure out who no, they're who, doing that weird kind was. of you know snaky arm movement that Deacon does as part of his erotic <laughs> dance, which I just think is right. that sort of brilliant kind of kind of nod about their mm. you know or nod towards their their kind of imminent reveal. Uh, and I would say as well um, to the point that how did these three dweebs get on the, the global <laughs> council it's not like the the other members of the council are that impressive well, except to, in terms of who they yeah. are uh, which is hugely impressive Huge, okay, yeah. but so um do, do we you need know, to take do, it away. Do, do we need to go Kirsty, through <laughs> go for it yeah go, go for, for it. the first well, one who's it, the first well one? i think that just before we start i think the way that this works is if you know, you know if you're kind of up with vampires and stuff and actors who played vampires is that that the, the next sort of couple of minutes are just an absolute joy of mm-hmm. being reminded of different val- and mm-hmm. and even the ones who aren't there are referenced yeah they <laughs> still right. say so, don't they? They so say... the first the first one is tilda swinton um right. who you know it's just it's a genius idea anyway because who wouldn't believe that she's not an actual vampire um but this is tilda swinton yeah, she, in her she appears under her own name yes and they, but they all, all do, yeah. Names. yeah. And, yeah. and I'll, I have a thing to say about that. So, the, but Tilda Swinton, as her character, or it, she looks like her character from Jim Jarmusch's um, Only Lovers Left Alive, which I love. Mm. Yeah, um, it's a lovely film. It is beautiful. Um, I but it. it's, I think what's what's interesting is the fact that they all appear. The ones we're talking to talk about all appear under their own names. Is I, I yeah. wonder if it's a little bit of an allusion back to Max Shrek and the whole Shadow of Vampire thing. Okay. Because there was the sort of thought. one of the rumours that was kind of floating around uh, the production of um, Nosferatu back in 1921-22 was that Max yeah. Schreck, who played you know Count Orlock, was actually a vampire, and of course that's the right. kind of the conceit of um, uh, Shadow of, of Vampire. Elias yeah, Mahajis, yeah. Mm. Film yeah. Shadow of yeah. Vampire from 2001. Um, Sorry if I've just pronounced his name <laughs> terribly, but yeah. But yeah, so I just wonder. It's, it's kind of interesting that they're not their characters; they are the actors who yeah. played vampires mm. on screen which you know kind of if you're a film geek like me you're going to go oh okay <laughs> but i love the madness of the fact that they're sort of appearing as their characters yeah. but also under their own yeah. names mm. yes so, so you, you your brain just can't quite compute <laughs> it yeah um okay. so who have we got next who's the next one after tilda um, tilda so we we've then got evan evan yes evan bizarrely uh, it's Evan Rachel Wood, Wood from, from um, The Westworld. Yes, but she TV is series. Stella will but know. What's her vampire connection? Stella. Sorry. Was she not in Stella? Is that not from Buffy? No, Stella. Stella. Um, she's um, sorry. Evan Rachel Wood is uh, in the first couple of seasons of True Blood. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, True Blood. Oh, yeah. God. So she's. I'm tired. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> first couple of seasons of True Blood. Yeah. And anything right, that yeah. references True Blood. I get very excited about and start screeching about it. So anybody's <laughs> in the room and they don't care <laughs> at all. Right. Yeah. So yeah, Evan Rachel Wood from True Blood, and then True who Blood. else is there? And then we've somebody skyping in. Wesley yeah. Snipes <laughs> in the daylight. Because in the day. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, oh, the daywalker. Yeah. He's always showing up. Yeah. And his his uh, his connection's not great, no. so he keeps dropping in and out. And they're like, oh, just ignore him. <laughs> Very, very late 90s, early 2000s, which is also perfect as well. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, Dan? Oh, oh, oh. Well, I can remember my other favourite one of the council, but I, it's not a famous name. 
Uh, is there another famous there name? There is. Okay, you'll have to refresh my memory. Here, so the last sorry. one is um, Paul Rubens. Oh, Paul of course. Rubens. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. there's, I've got t- there's two more. So Paul Rubens, um, who was, I was going to say, is it Buffy Film? Yeah, he's yeah, Buffy, yeah, Buffy film. film. That's what and I was then, getting wrong. Um, Rod Howard's side. Yeah, kick. and then there's um, Danny. Oh, Danny, what's his name? Trejo. Yeah, Danny Trejo yes. from. He was one of the vampires in From Dust Till Dawn, wasn't he? From Dust Till mm-hmm. Dawn, yeah. Uh, I think that's you know, it. I hadn't twigged. Yeah. I, I recognise them all, but yeah. apart from Rubens, I don't think I kind of realised they all. They all yeah, also all play, have vampire all play vampires. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and then of course the ones that are referenced but aren't. <laughs> are, so they, they first they ask about well, what what is where, where's Rob? Where's oh, Rob? Rob yeah, where's Rob? Behind him. Yeah, and then so there's uh, yeah. Tom Tom and Brad. Yeah, Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Yeah. yeah, Tom and Tom and, yeah. Tom and Brad couldn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, so it's just lovely. It is. Yeah, yeah, lovely, lovely nod, but and and, and a kind of really affectionate nod as well. I think mm, yes. um, he wants yeah, to put it behind him. Yeah. God, <laughs> and then yeah. and then also I think kind of although she's not part of the council because the, the 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 herald of the council is um, yeah. Kristen Schaal who um, uh, appeared um, in Flight of the Concords, which of course was yeah. occasionally oh, okay. directed by but always starring uh, directed by Taika Waititi um, starring um, uh, Jermaine, Jermaine Clement. Clement and yeah yeah and Reece Darby as oh. well so. Yeah. Is Reese Darby the other one from Flight of the Concord? Uh, no, so the other or one. He's not, no, is it? It, yeah, no. the the double act is Jermaine Clement, somebody else. Yeah, and uh, uh, I've never seen Brett, it. Brett, so. um, oh, oh my god, I've forgotten his name. So I'm a massive fan, <laughs> so this is really terrible. Um, yeah, Brett and Jermaine. It's Brett and Jermaine. You should see it. It's Brett really and funny. Right. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. And to be fair, you know, I was having a go at the BBC earlier for waiting for comedians to come along and then nicking them. Yeah. It was the BBC who gave Flight of the Concord to their first break yeah. and on the radio. Yeah. So, True. So yeah. And, and then it was HBO right, we'll who, so. who did the TV show. So. <laughs> Sorry, what was it that? Was, it, was, uh, they, it was their TV show was on HBO. Oh, right. Okay. Right. Yes, that's right, of course. Um, shall I tell you who my favourite member of the Vampire Council is, though? It is the the member we've not mentioned so far. When they all kind of show their fangs... <laughs> To, to to declare their their intent to to punish yeah. um, our heroes, there's a, a whip pan over to what a vampire council member who's a little baby. Oh, it's the baby vampire. Yeah, because yeah. that that ties because early in the episode, um, the Nadia and Laszlo were talking about what they could have done to get them in trouble. Yeah, and, right, and one, yes. one of the anecdotes is that that Laszlo turned a baby uh, into a vampire because he was bored. <laughs> yeah, of course and then kind of called back to when the Dave Batista character says that he's he's in trouble with the council because somebody framed yeah, yeah, him for turning yeah, yeah, the baby yeah. into a vampire. Yeah, so that's <laughs> like if I find that guy. Yeah, <laughs> so that's like the third. That's the payoff, isn't it? Is the baby? Yeah, the, yeah. That's, yeah. that's yeah. fantastic. Although obviously so. a baby vampire would be terrible, um, as uh, Breaking Dawn Part Two demonstrates. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, it certainly looks terrible. It looks terrible. terrible. It's, I don't know, is it as so. bad as the zombie baby in the Dawn of the Dead remake? That's pretty bad as well. Yeah. Nobody, need, about nobody needs that baby. in their life. No. So Is sticking, that given birth to? Yeah. Well, she oh, is a very pregnant woman and she turns whilst pregnant and then obviously gets right. put down. But then a, a bump is still moving. Oh. So, she, so she's a zombie 
And so no, she right. turns into a zombie, so they just strap her down and she thrashes around and she gives birth and it's this really bad zombie baby prosthetic. And I'm watching it going, they're not going to show that. They're, they are going to show that. All right then. <laughs> but yeah, the the vampire baby is probably better than a really right. unpleasant zombie baby. So we're on a continuum. <laughs> gradually unpleasant but, babies. Yeah, That's good. yeah unpleasant babies. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there's your own there you and then zombie babies. <laughs> That's fantastic. So it sounds like the Vampire Council is sort of our favourite bit of what we do in the Shadow. I think Orbit. so. Because um, they get I mean, saved I... from their punishment at the end because yeah. they get put in the sunshine trap, don't they? Like yes. Just like in, in Sphere of the Vampire. Yeah. And then yes. they get saved. Is it Guillermo's just got an umbrella? Uh, no, it's, I think it's Colin, well, it's Colin Robinson. It's Colin, Colin Robinson. Robinson yeah. Because what oh, we've yeah. not mentioned is that Colin <laughs> Robinson is part of the Vampire Council as well. He's actually... And they're like, we didn't know you were on the council. And, and he says, I never mentioned it. <laughs> something like that. But yeah, uh, they're, they're, so they're stuck in the, yeah. the pit, aren't they? Waiting for the sun to come over. And then he just pops up over the top. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and it's all all right. Yeah. But yeah, I, like, I really enjoyed that nod to Interview the Vampire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. I have to think as well that it's the, the maybe the other thing to just talk about briefly is the kind of the other guest stars because obviously that episode has this whole big raft of guest stars. Yeah, yeah. And yet I feel like the appearance, the regular appearance of surprising guest yeah. stars, is something I quickly yes. learned to look yeah, forward yeah, yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's, I mean, and I think some of them are like more kind of knowing guest stars, whereas like we've, we've talked about you know kind of Beanie before mm. in this podcast yes. that Beanie she felt, kind of yes. I wouldn't necessarily. I mean, because she's a reoccurring character, I think, two or three episodes. Yeah. In the first series, yeah. yeah. She's um, disappeared in the second yeah. series because you know, <laughs> Beanie had better things, things to do. To do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but we get things like, I, like, I loved, um, so I think it's, it's the first episode of season two has both uh, Hayley Joel Osment and Benedict it's Wong, or is it? Benedict Wong, yeah. Yes, they're both. I, think I love him. Episode, oh, okay, second. Yeah, yeah, they're both great. Benedict Wong plays the the necromancer, <laughs> the kind of rubbish yeah. Yorkshire necromancer, yeah, yeah. and um, uh, yeah, and Haley Joel Osment, who I didn't recognise at all um, because I've not seen him since he was a child actor. Yeah. But obviously, his name came up in the credits. He plays the hilarious character called Topher, yeah. who is. Um, I think he's Nando's kind of replacement familiar, isn't he? Oh, oh no, no, he's, yeah. he's uh, Nadia and... Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. And, and Guillermo kind of always feels a little bit yeah. put out because they love him and think he's so great, yeah. Tofa. Um, Doesn't he, but, he turn into a zombie? Yeah, essentially, yeah. He, yeah. He, he's killed and turned into... He's brought back. Well, he's he? killed and, and then they get Benedict Wong's necromancer to, to bring him back and he does a battle. But he's really shoddy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he just runs around going to over (laughs) (laughs) Um, and he's so fantastic yeah I mean I I think the council counts as like the highest moment because of that concentration of like special uh, bits in it which feel like direct gifts to us I think and audience Mm. members like us you know because we know who those people are and everything but, but there's so much during the rest of yeah. the series that's so great, and the guest, and so many other guest stars. Uh, you know, Mark Hamill turns yeah. up, and um, uh, I, f- when the witches' covenant arrived, I actually found myself kind of surprised that I didn't recognise any guest stars in there. But I think maybe yeah, the, I think the, the main witch was a star who I is just out of yeah, my I, orbit. Yeah, I want to I want to say it's the main one is Lucy Speed, but I'm not sure if it is. 
Oh, not not Lucy Speed. That's wrong entirely. I'm just going to find out who it is now. Actually, <laughs> in the witches episode, um, I don't know why. I mean, Lucy Speed is not a, an actor who's I've been aware of uh, for a while. So mm. just I don't know where that she the the British. One. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm oh Lu- Lucy Punch. There we go. Oh, there we go. Right. Lucy yeah. Punch. Yeah. Um, who, of course, it, you might remember from Hot Fuzz and other things as well. Mm. Um, oh, she's yeah. Hot Fuzz. Okay, yeah. I've only watched that recently. Um, who did she play in that? Uh, in Hot Fuzz, she is. Hold on, now I've got to go back. She's done quite a lot. So she was in um, the. Uh, maybe she's not. Um, anyway, so listeners can can Google. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I, I was going to swore. Oh, no, she is. She's Eve Draper in Hot Fuzz. Um, she's also in St. Trinian. She's been in um, lots of stuff recently. I think she was in the um, Netflix um, series of Unfortunate Events. Okay. Um, I think maybe Eve Draper is the character who gets murdered. Yes. Yeah, she's, she's Juliet. Yeah, she's Juliet. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So and she's <laughs> very funny. And she was uh, one of the ugly yeah. sisters in the Into the Woods films, which I'm sure both of you have seen because that's totally over your streets. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. I'm a huge fan. Of, yeah, Stephen Sondheim <laughs> and, and the yeah, Disney. So yeah, far. I, <laughs> I went to, I I went to see that Disney with my... Plus, with, yeah. so it happen. I went to see it with, with Sven, who fell asleep promptly. <laughs> oh. Good man. <laughs> wow. Anyway. I've never been able to make it through. No. Uh, sound no, music I... in my life, so <laughs> it's not, God, not my, no. my, my, my scene. No, 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 no. Oh, well, but yes, yeah, so... Anyway. Um, and uh, and I th- I'd like to mention while we're on spoilers that, um, you know, we do get Jermaine Clement back at the end of the first of second series as well. It's not, unfortunately, it's not the whole band getting no. back together, but, you know, you do get Vladislav. Yes. Um, and that's kind of wonderful. Guys, I think we're coming close to the end yeah. of our episode. So, are there any other delights that we'd just like to mention, spoilery or not spoilery, um, before? We yeah, start I, I just want to just very quickly talk about the the fact that this that the television show and the um, and the film kind of exist now as part of a kind of extended. I don't want to say mm. cinematic universe because it's not quite that, um, but there's certainly <laughs> kind of a a narrative franchise world that exists. Mm. So, in and I'm not sure why we haven't had it, but I've not been able to find it unless it, maybe it's just. So I've been hidden away somewhere. somewhere. So um, they also spun off um, from the film a television show in New Zealand called Wellington Paranormal, which features officers oh, right. Minogue and O'Leary, who are both in the film as the sort of, you know, kind of very sort of salt of the earth, but very kind of matter of fact, um, but not terribly bright. <laughs> um, police, police officers. So Nick the vampire appears mm. in that so he's not part right. of the Vampire Council, but he is. And we find out that Nick the Vampire has been working um, in a blood bank. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, which is lovely. Um, uh, so there's that as well as part of the universe. And then, um, I mean, I don't know. It took him ages to do what we do with the shadows from the point at which they had the idea. But I know that Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi have been developing um, a film that also fits in the universe, which is simply called, uh, and, and again, this lovely wordplay, uh, We Are Wolves. Werewolves, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so that, that's that's a treat, I'm sure, for the future, which obviously yeah. depends on the werewolf, you know, kind of faction, yeah, yeah. less vampires, more werewolves. But not swearwolves, because, that. you know. No, no that would just yeah. be <laughs> We don't do that. Yeah. So <laughs> that's one to look at for the future, whenever that happens. I mean, it could be another 10 years. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, oh, wonderful. How about you, Stella? Uh, 
and yeah i would just like to mention obviously that in episode six of series two laszlo ends up with his own bar and it's basically identical to merlot's bar in true blood and i think there's some is there a point where there's some ditzy uh, waitress as well to sort of and as a nod to Sucky Stackhouse yeah. but yeah right, okay. again any, anything that references True Blood even though I forgot before um, is yep definitely my box of frogs yeah um, oh with the council as well I read I was reading about that and they did ask um, Alexander Skarsgård who plays Eric Northman who I love 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 yes, love so much right. <laughs> like I shouldn't love him as much as I do but I can't the heart wants what it wants um, and he said yes but he was in Australia and they just couldn't get him over no. to do it. Oh, no. But he said yes. Oh. Because oh, he's a wonderful he'll, human yes, being. <laughs> he'll turn up. Oh, he'll yeah, turn I'm sure up. he'll rock up. That would be a wonderful... Uh, it would be so yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And I guess the last thing that I would like to say that if you've got this far, just watch it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Watch, it, watch it, watch it. I'm going to watch it again. Yeah. I need to watch it again I think you could probably hear on this that we've all just been laughing the whole yeah. time from remembering it. That yeah, you need to rewatch. I, I think it's definitely going to go into my uh, like my comfort yeah. horror box. No, it's for me. It's horror all, things it's that I want there. to watch when <laughs> when I want to feel nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I agree. I mean, it's um, yeah. There is such a thing as comfort horror, I suppose, mm-hmm. and 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 I'd put it in there. And I'd also just recommend it to anyone who's up for great comedy. Um, yeah, you, know, you don't I, even have I to have like horror, com- do you? Yeah, there's, there's... no, I have. Sorry, I was just going to say I have, I have comedy f- fan friends who've not watched it, and um, I'm just kind of pestering them. Yeah, and uh, I would I would so recommend it to to anyone really. It's it's fantastic. I don't think there's anything that's kind of off-putting about it. Um, even though we talked about it, the, the, the occasional violence and the sexual references and things like that, I think. Basically, the whole world that they've created is just kind of sweet. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, even heartwarming. So, yeah. What were you going to say, Kirsten? Well, I was, I was just thinking about the way in which the, that kind of sense of kind of comfort horror, which it seems like completely kind of oxymoronic, yeah. really, um, sort of links to it. I'm sure there's probably a word in German for this, but I'm aware that in German there's a the kind of concept of what's called, I think it's, forgive my pronunciation here because I'm, I'm learning, um, Krimakussen. Um, which is a type of um, uh, like crime drama that you watch mm-hmm. sort of as comfort viewing. I and mean, we get yeah. lots of this stuff anyway, um, but I d- it just seems that there ought to be a similar kind of thing for, yeah. for, um, <laughs> for horror. Which mm. is, it's you definitely know, a thing. Yeah, it's, you know, yeah. The horror that you watch, uh, which isn't actually that scary, which is just delightful and that you want to you know, sit and drink tea and have blankets and uh, yeah. eat chocolate too. Yeah. That's this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic, and um, yeah, and that's exactly the kind of thing I love. Okay, so guys, I think we might have covered um, at least a fraction of the reasons why yeah. we think what we're doing in the shadows. <laughs> can, I, can I just interrupt? I think I've come up with the term. All right, oh, Hugo horror. All right, Huga well, horror. You just created yeah, that. like like Yay. after the Danish Hugo, you know, kind of comfortable. Coziness, horror, hygge horror. Oh, that's wonderful. There we go. It's Sorry. Like, it's, like, it's like horror that gives you a hug. Yes. There's a there's a book <laughs> chapter in there, yeah, Kirsten. There is. I haven't got time to write it, but yeah, there is. No, there is. If anyone wants oh, to do no. that, that'd be great. <laughs> and we end on a coinage. <laughs> so, a celebration of what we do in the shadows. That, that was <clears> great. <throat> so, 
listeners, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. I think we're all going to go and watch <laughs> it again right now. So, Indeed. Our wonderful guys. So just before we end, what recommendations have we got for this week? Uh, um, okay, so I, I've, I've obviously been on holiday, so I've not been watching massive amounts, but I did manage to mm. finally catch, and I know that it's a contentious film and lots of people didn't necessarily like it, but I want to recommend to you um, uh, Jim Jarmusch's um, uh, The Dead Don't Die. Okay. Uh, which oh, is on Sky Movies at the moment, and I love Jim Jarmusch, as we've already talked about, and Jim yeah. Jarmusch's take on horror is lovely, um, and, and I think maybe the reason why people didn't rate it that highly is possibly people who were expecting a sort of zombie film, um, mm-hmm. and not a Jim Jarmusch film, um, might have been a bit right. upset with it um, but it's a very Jim Jarmusch zombie film, um, it is a zombie film which is probably Hugo Horror in that it has the lowest amount of peril you know people die people become zombies um but it's none of it is particularly horrific but it's it's all right yeah but it's it's very charming and it's also it's kind of it's quite meta at times um so there's a kind of there's a bit at the beginning where um bill murray and adam driver who are the two sort of leads um oh tilda swinton's also in it um uh yeah bill murray and adam driver are the two police officers sort of in the middle of this small town where bad things start happening and they um, are listening to um, a song on the radio, which is called The Dead Don't Die, a kind of country song. And we've just heard it because it's just been the, you know, the kind of accompaniment to the, the opening um, titles. Um, and Bill Murray's character says to Adam Driver's character, oh, this sounds familiar. And Adam Driver basically comes back and says, yeah, it's because it's the theme tune. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, yeah, so there's a kind of meta element to it as well. Delightful. Delightful. Cool. All right. Uh, I'm tragically late in even starting my Jim Jamush pilgrimage, which I've intended to go on since the mid nineties oh. at least, and still <laughs> never seen any of them. But um, I need to attend yes. that. Yes. Yeah. How about you, Stella? Um, I've got a vampire recommendation, and I'm really worried that I've recommended it before. <laughs> so if I have, you just have to cut it. Um, it's a, a YouTube uh, creation of Carmilla. Of right. the very, 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 very old vampire text, yeah, um, yeah. and it's all set in a student dorm in America. So it's just on a webcam, so just one shot the whole time. So people come in and out of the dorm, and it's a retelling of the old uh, Carmilla wow. text, and it's really, and really Jay good. Sheridan Lefanu's Carmilla, yeah, one of the and I think it, Dracula, one of the yeah, very early, uh, and it did get picked text, up so. by a TV production company, as far as I'm aware, but I don't think anything's been done with it yet. But there's a there's a series of it on on YouTube. Oh wow! Okay. So yeah, oh, it's worth right. a look. That sounds cool. So it's just called Carmilla. Carmilla, yeah. I'll find that. Put yeah. A link in. So yeah, well, you haven't recommended that before. Right, good. So that's <laughs> great. Okay. And my recommendation is going to be sticking with comedy. Um, seems appropriate. Um, I've just noticed that. Um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail has appeared on Netflix. <laughs> yes. Um, and now it's not horror at all. But on the other hand, it does have my favourite scene with the terrifying bunny rabbit, yes. which tears the throats out of tons of crusaders. Uh, and it's ridiculously violent um, and, and absolutely hilarious. And um, it, that's my favourite Monty Python film. And... I haven't watched it for years, but that scene's always stuck with me. So I'd recommend that to anyone. And also the bit which is, uh, you know, he who approaches the bridge of death must answer <laughs> me these questions three. <laughs> uh, 
Um, that's my other favourite thing in the movie. So, uh, yeah. So, so that's that's my shout for this week. Uh, yeah. Um, for the listeners' benefit, I'm seeing on on the uh, on the camera here that Stella and Kirsty both have visitors. It's almost <laughs> as if people know that the podcast is nearly over. Okay. I'm being um, shown notes with questions on. <laughs> <laughs> so, well. Thank you, everybody. That was our What We Do in the Shadows episode. I think we had great fun. Yes. Thank yes. you. Kirsty's getting attention from her cat yes. right now. Thank you very much, Stel. Thank you very much, Kirsty. It's been Thanks, a pleasure. Thank you. We'll be back uh, in some form next week. We're not exactly sure what form it's going to take, but, you know, watch this space. You know where we are by now. All right. You'll hear from us again soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 You have been listening to And Now the Podcast Starts Produced and released by Ambidextrous Solutions Limited Presented by Kirsty Warro, T.D. Velasquez and Stella Gaynor Special thanks to Greg Hume for our original theme music and to Brian Gorman for our original artwork All dialogue and music clips from films, TV shows and trailers are used for the purposes of criticism in the spirit of fair dealing as defined in UK law and fair use as defined in US law. No copyright infringement is intended. Please visit our home on the web www.andnowpodcast.com for more content and contact details. Or visit our Facebook pages at andnowpod or at leecushingpod. Follow us on Twitter at andnowpodcast or at Lee Cushing Podcast. If you'd like to donate to us, please visit patreon.com forward slash and now podcast. And now the podcast stops.